Welcome to Zero Five O. I'm your host, Bruce Bradley, founder of recycling company First Mile. This is our Green Impact podcast where we meet guests creating solutions for a zero carbon world. We all know that the science of climate change is extremely important, but we also have a major communication issue with the climate emergency. We don't talk about it enough and we need to get our leaders to take more action on the climate emergency. And of course, we could all do more as individuals. Today's guest is helping us to make change through entertainment, and I'm delighted to welcome Sam Sataria, who is part of the founding team and leads on strategy at Waterbear. And Waterbear is the first interactive streaming platform dedicated to the future of our planet. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bruce. Great to be here. How's things? Absolutely brilliant. And it's so good. I'm, I am always banging on about the fact that, you know, the science is very important for climate change and scientists are constantly uh, discovering new things. But as a social scientist, I think we've got a major communication issue. And fundamentally, we need to persuade leaders and we need to persuade individuals to start to change how we do things and how we run things if we uh, are going to continue as a species on planet Earth. So, it's brilliant to meet Water Bear and find out what you're doing through an entertainment platform and an education platform to uh, make change. So looking forward to it, really. And I've got a really dumb question at the start because it's pretty obvious when you get on your website how you operate and what you do. But this is an audio show. Isn't Water Bear just a green version of Netflix, which we'll all have seen? <laughs> Good. We love a dumb question to start. Uh, in some ways, <laughs> in some ways, yes. Uh, in some ways, no. I think is the the honest answer. When we launched in deepest, darkest pandemic in December 2020, we had quite a lot of press attention, which was pretty cool. And a lot of them called us the Netflix for nature. So green Netflix, Netflix and nature. I can see what you've done there. But actually, we've always said uh, that there's a lot more to our story because actually, Water Bear is about bridging the gap between watching content, i.e., knowledge and doing something, i.e. taking action. So we've always said there's a lot more to our story than just being a green Netflix, although we do love content and stories about our wonderful natural world, and we kind of anchor a lot of our content in a connection to nature. But we are a lot more than just a green Netflix. It's almost like we rehearsed this, which we didn't for the listeners. But um, my next sort of sub-question to that is that you talk about you talked about their call to action, getting people to do something, the platform's interactive. How does that work? Because you're sort of, you don't want couch potatoes just watching nature programs. You're actually trying to get people to do something. And how do you, how do you bring that to life with Water Bear? And how, how do you get people to take action? If I knew the answer to that, I'd be a very, very, very wealthy man. Um, <laughs> I think, no, we definitely try is the point. And it's a dark art of telling the right stories and delivering it through the right channels. And as we always say at Water Bear, trying to make the concept of taking action, i.e. doing something positive and, and influencing and contributing to our wider planetary concerns and society as not easy as possible, but as fulfilling and rewarding and satisfactory as possible. So we always, on the platform through our technology, link our content, our stories. Uh, we have over a thousand documentaries on the platform to great campaigns and great calls to action, as you said, Bruce. So what we do is throughout the film or at the end of the film, uh, there's a really simple functionality that allows you to find out more, share with friends, sign a petition, uh, potentially donate even to some of the NGOs we work with. We work with over 150 NGOs around the world. Um, and our product is really designed to do just that, to bridge that knowledge action gap. That being said, it's hard, you know, getting people to come to watch your content in, in this day and age where there's a lot of content out there, there's a lot of competition, we're competing for everyone's awareness. 
uh, is a challenge. And then asking them to go that stage further to actually do something, having watched the content, is also a challenge. So we are we are by no means there, but there's a, there's a really exciting kind of roadmap of how we can make that experience even better over the coming phases of the company. So yeah, we try and bridge that gap. And then the 150 um, charity partners that are quite prominent on the platform are they there to link into? So if it's a if it's a documentary about bear conservation, there's a link through to a bear conservation charity. Is that so people can then get involved and find out more? Or are you making donations to the charity partners, or is the link in from the sort of founding sponsors into the charity partners? How does how does that connection work? It's an awful lot of charity partners that you're working with, which is amazing. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, all of the above in in many ways. Uh, we have uh, different opportunities for different partners. I guess the the real value of having this consolidated approach of having all those organisations in one place is so that me as a general citizen who's interested in this kind of thing, I can go to one platform and find out about all sorts of organizations all over the world that are vetted and trusted. And we've done the due diligence on they're fantastic, you know, great partners that we trust deeply. And so that for a member, we call our our community members rather than subscribers, because we are building a community and I'll come back to that, can actually then access this information, they can trust that their donation is going to a, a verified and awesome organization, usually on the front line of a, of a major crisis. But it kind of depends. Sometimes we run great campaigns where we tell great stories and link through with an opportunity to, do- to donate. Sometimes it's just about raising awareness and getting people to actually learn and read. Uh, so yes, to answer your question succinctly, Bruce, all of the above, really. That's good. And then how are you funding the, the, the actual platform? Because it's free to, to view. There isn't a subscription for members. Will I be um, halfway through a film and then I'll suddenly get an advert for fracking? <laughs> I, I love how it was. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally, it was it was that kind of comedic slam on on a business model approach that we wanted to try and work against in some ways. I think no, there is no catch to use that common phrase. I think so many people have commented to us over the last eighteen months of the company. You know, where's the catch? And and really, we've had to try and convince them that there literally is no catch. And we are monetizing through partnerships. Uh, so actually, there's no advertising on the platform. You won't be interrupted with a, an advert about fracking. Uh, but we actually work with a network of purpose-led brands, a growing network, um, who through their partnership, through their support, we can build revenue in the company. We can tell stories with them. So we actually offer a production studio as well to create content, which obviously is a commercial arrangement, um, and have another, another couple of revenue streams across the distribution and media landscape. So it's really a diverse set of revenue streams. Uh, we've got lots more coming uh, to try and build a much more resilient and future-proof business as we watch some of the uh, subscription wars going on uh, above our heads. It's a it's a very considered approach. It's really not what you would call traditional corporate sponsorship. I think those days are done. Brands these days really have to prove in many ways that they, they mean what they say. Obviously, the old greenwashing conundrum is, is something that we avoid massively and we've got lots of processes in place to to avoid that we actually have a tool called the moral compass where the entire team at Waterbear, uh, from the newest recruits to to the ceo vote on the suitability of the brand partnership and and do their own due diligence and and we actually go through quite a long period of vetting and screening to decide on which partners we want to work with and actually that then enables us to be you know, truly transparent with these partners, it enables them to get involved in lots of the different things that we do, whether that's telling stories, creating activations, running competitions, um, getting them involved in the platform, screening their content, you know, we, we, we do our homework so that we can really engage with deep, long term partnerships with purpose led brands, um, the likes of Nikon, Natura and Co, Jack Wolfskin, just to name a few, 
are really exciting companies to work with because their support and ideas and team add so much value in so many more ways than just money to the network. Uh, and that's exactly how we want to build the revenue model at the company. So it's interesting whether it's going to lead to change or not, because I've, I've met a number of people over the years that, for example, I mean, not just Cowspiracy, but I'm using it as an example where they've watched Cowspiracy and they've gone, oh my God, I'm never going to eat meat again and it's terrible and all the rest of it. And actually the content and what happened in the film changed their lives forever. And do you think, is there evidence? Are we, are we, are we getting from streaming green films and these documentaries, are we, are we getting a global green movement rising up from the sofa in their sweatpants? I think we are. I can't ever claim that we are we are driving that. I think the nice thing, well, the, the encouraging and uplifting and optimistic thing is that there is a massive global movement revolution going on. The awareness about these issues, the prevalence of the climate catastrophe across the news is both scary and encouraging in equal measure. Um, I do think that the rise of purpose-led content, brands getting involved in fantastic storytelling and, and, and activism, the sofa warrior, to use your phrase, um, is someone that we do think we can speak to with the power and reach of the distribution ecosystem of, of, of media and streaming. That being said, I think it's it's tricky, you know, to show can a story change the system? You know, does does a does a film or a piece of content genuinely cause long term behaviour change? Um, we certainly believe so. That's in fact the north star of of our business. But we actually try to to create impact at many levels, right? So it could be. The film and campaign that we've run has actually generated a certain amount of funding for an NGO. That's very easy to measure and show, and show the impact that we've, we've created. It could be that a film has been watched by a decision maker at COP27 later this year in Egypt, and, and then we can actually go and work with that decision maker and say, did our film influence policy? Have we managed to actually overturn or, or change something for the better? But I think that long-term behavior piece where actually audiences around the world are genuinely living, eating, and behaving differently uh, is is absolutely what we want to try and prove with our with our interesting approach to, to data driven storytelling. But it's it's a big one. It's happening for sure. It's just trying to do that at scale around the world in the time we need it. Um, that's the the big question of whether we can or not. Do you think there's an opportunity then? Because it's sort of for a long time now we've had product placements in films from people selling everything from Aston Martins to fizzy water is there an opportunity then for water bear or or producers of nature films to start to insert messages or content into i don't know top gun or stranger things or heavens above love island to start to get these green messages across so it might not be a dedicated film on a dedicated platform but it could be actually we're starting to be the producers of a clip or a concept or a, or a executive production of a, a segment or a, a line in a show that would start to get these messages across in in a, in a word, yes. I think we, what our fundamental belief at Waterbear is is that we need to start breaking this echo chamber that we live in. And if you produce a, a platform that's just environmental programming, um, you will attract a certain audience. But do you actually go and reach that general entertainment audience, that Love Island audience, which is actually a phrase that we often use um, in, in the company? And I think we would love to experiment and we will be experimenting with different formats, looking at you know the things that have really reached the masses, the millions, whether it's the game shows, the format shows, the competitions. You know, we have this line at the company where actually should we create something called Impact Island where you start to bridge that Love Island <laughs> piece. And Brilliant. I think, yeah, it's going to require that kind of out-of-the-box thinking to really try and break down these echo chambers and recruit more and more people. That really is our mission at the company. If our vision is to have a, a global community of committed, active 
citizens taking action for the betterment of our planet, then then the mission really is to deliver our stories and technology and partnerships in a way that recruits non-typical audiences to to this space, right? So we, we're looking at partnerships with football clubs. We're looking at partnerships in the fashion industry. We're looking to try and work with great ambassadors and influencers and guests and, and personalities to try and reach new audiences and, and start their journey to action. Our kind of belief is that everyone has something that they will care about or do care about. Some people just may not have found it yet and they need to be activated through something new and exciting that, that is different for every person. And that is a bit of a challenge when it comes to figuring out your, your programming and editorial strategy, but certainly something that we're enjoying tackling. The format of nature and wildlife films is getting pretty depressing, which is lots of beautiful wildlife and then, and then you get told it's all going to die. And I can sort of see why people switch off after a while because it is, it is you know, on one level beautiful, but on another really quite depressing and is there a different genre of sort of filmmaking happening which is more about change and the future and optimism and hope and regeneration of nature rather than the destruction or are we not there yet oh i think we're very much there for sure bruce i think yes traditional quite linear natural history formats certainly have a place and and a lot of our team that's the world that we come from and and we love it you know i think celebrating nature's beauty and the biodiverse wonders of, of, of the natural world is, is a massively important part of programming. I do think things have shifted now because it's very hard to tell a story about climate change or the climate catastrophe, I should say, without referencing its effect on people, for example, or bringing in diversity or race or income inequality. And I think actually all of these subject matters are now intersecting massively. And so what we try to do is to try and find great inspirational characters that does put a positive, uplifting human spin on it, because we think that sometimes it's quite hard for perhaps younger generations, myself or whatever it might be, to actually relate to big, scary numbers about how climate catastrophe politics is affecting a country that they've never been to, right? You need to try and make it relevant to that audience member, and they need to see themselves in the films and narratives that they're they're engaging with and through that you can build much more of an empathetic deep connection with your with your audience and i think yes programming is definitely changing we're certainly trying to not only tell stories that are much more intersectional that that involve characters and and, and human faces putting people back into the conversation um but also trying to then produce that content in a sustainable way trying to use local diverse crews around the world to minimize our carbon footprint trying to work with industry standards like BAFTA's Albert certification, which is the industry standard for sustainable production, really trying to flip the whole model, you know, to try and put cameras onto the ground and stop this age-old fancy kit and camera being deployed in a, in a country and then being taken for an audience back home and really trying to change that, change that narrative. And you mentioned studios, so it sounds like you're actually making films yourself and, and content for films or is that actually not off the ground yet something that's going to come or do you, do you make actual films and content for the platform we do indeed yeah being obviously we're only 18 months old so we've been testing and trialing different things over the last over the last year or so uh we've produced films across the genres you know looking at photography through to whales through to really exciting films about dance and even greenwashing explained with hamsters so we've been really testing and trialing you know all sorts of different formats and and then looking at the data that that's kicking off on our platform. And yes, the dream is that we will have Water Bear Originals. We do have Water Bear Originals that will be a kind of major focus of, of the coming phase to actually get out there and produce as well as build platforms and, and publish as well. Yeah. And you you weren't going to get away with that uh, comment. How do you explain greenwashing with hamsters? <laughs> 
a very good question. I'm not sure we know the answer to that, but I think the, the, <laughs> the concept was trying to look at how you could take a subject like greenwashing, which is mentioned more often than we'd like, I guess, in some ways, and try and put a new delivery mechanism on the story and try and get people to engage with it through a new light, which was told through real hamsters. Um, it was a bit of fun. It was great content for, for social media and, and engaged and operated really well. Uh, but I think that kind of sums up our approach is trying to take some of the subjects that maybe are becoming a little bit tiresome to hear about. Perhaps you're hearing about them every day on the news. You're becoming a bit numb to to those subjects and trying to put new creative spins on them to try and pique interest in, as I say, non-traditional audiences. And do you think um, that's sort of a good intro to my social media question is, do you think that the existing platforms, TikTok obviously growing massively uh, and all the meta apps is... It, do we need a green version of social media or do we need to leverage off the what we've got already and are there, are we getting influencers now that are super you know becoming super popular with lots of followers um i did i did a talk at my daughter's school i can't remember the numbers now but it's sort of uh greta thunberg's sort of i think got about six million followers and uh, kylie jenner's got something like 60 million followers and you know while they might be popular they're not sort of at the level of um popular culture they're not. I think that is changing and, and we're starting to hero new forms of influencers, certainly in, in younger generations. I think people, rightly so, are starting to hopefully look up to activists, look up to indigenous communicators and storytellers on the front line of these, these major things that we face as a society. I don't know if we need more social media in the world to answer your question about whether we actually need a green social media. I think there's some, there's some really interesting projects coming out all around the world that looks at the kind of the dark side of social media and actually how we can stop doom scrolling and and depression and mental health issues which was was illustrated very well by Jeff Olowski's film The Social Dilemma but I think platforms as a whole should start to champion this type of storytelling this type of content creator maybe let's just say watch this space when it comes to waterbed because it's something that we're very very focused on how we can create a new content creator model that actually heroes the people basically saving our lives as opposed to selling us more products that we don't need. So I think, yes, to answer your question, no, I don't think the world needs more social media. Do I think the current platforms should do better with regard to human rights problems? Of course. And do I think that they should invest properly in high quality storytelling on the front line? 110%. Brilliant. Why are you called water bear? Is there such a thing as a water bear or is it a... Do you uh, know what a water bear is, Bruce? I do not know what a water bear is. I know what a spirit bear is, but not a water bear. Yeah, spirit bears are also cool. So a water bear is not actually a bear. It's a micro animal that Ooh. is almost anywhere on earth. If you if you Google anyone listening to, to look up a water bear, you can also go on waterbear.com if you fancy, but also Google water bear and you will see a very funny looking little critter that is the most resilient animal on earth. They are largely indestructible. They're found all over the world, in the sea, in volcanoes, on mountaintops, and actually even on the moon. I'll tell you one funny anecdote. When we were launching the company about 18 months ago, a BBC News article came out and it said, water bears found on moon. And I had many texts from people going, how big's your PR budget? And I said, <laughs> it's, actually a, it's actually a real thing. So they're our mascot for how cool, weird, wonderful, wacky, and awesome nature is if only we'd step back and let it kind of get on with its own natural rhythms and, and processes, you know, the truly circular system that, that Mother Earth has created. 
And if you leave them in the desert, they'll desiccate, so they'll dry out, and their exoskeletons will will basically kind of reform when when rain comes, and they'll basically come back to life. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. So we've had a, a phrase at Water Bear for a while, which is just add water, um, and uh, kind of summarizes our approach to things. We spend a lot of time on the show so far talking about Water Bear, Sam, but um, you you have been very kind to uh, come on the show, and um, we will come back to Water Bear in a second. But it'd be really great for the listeners to hear a little bit about you your passion for the environment how on earth you got involved in all of uh, in all of this which is uh, a, a fantastic business when did you first get interested in the environment nature the climate emergency um, and what's your take on things so I'm, I'm a biologist by trade so I've always been a, a nature nerd as they say I've studied it for my whole career um, and and fell in love with with documenting it while while studying and and started my life with the BBC natural history unit in Bristol then very quickly went on to campaigning and and work with uh, some some awesome creative agencies and, and kind of applied my trade making films producing content uh, and then fell into actually the world of, of non-profits and, and, and managed a couple of, of non-profit organizations, which led me to actually meeting Ellen, our, our founder. Uh, and we got to know each other over a film project. Uh, we were, we were making, some, making some great stories about European conservation and nature, which was exciting. And then she was telling me about this great idea she'd had for a company called Water Bear. And I was hooked from, from moment one. I think my wildlife conservation, natural history passion really started, as for many people, watching the great David Attenborough um, back in the day, uh, but also having the luxury of having divorced parents. So I split my time between London and the middle of nowhere in Wales and spent my child running around half naked, building fires and, you know, enjoying a real connection to nature. And yeah, it was it was many late nights huddled around the TV watching David Attenborough repeats that kind of got me hooked and then I started digging below the surface thinking how the hell are these things made and that was it I was off to Bristol and 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 landed on my feet luckily uh, in the center of the world for for wildlife and natural history programming and then one thing led to another now we're a team of almost 45 people here in Amsterdam trying to build you know the Netflix for nature so it's a it's a really exciting passionate environment and I count myself very lucky that I've been able to spend my entire career working on projects with a purpose and uh, trying to have a a little bit of a positive impact in my life. So Sam looking to the future what does success look like for you and this can be at Water Bay with Water Bear at Water Bear uh, in the next five ten years or it could be in the next 40 years I know I know you answer the question but what does success look like for you? That is a very hard question, um, and I won't bore you with our business answer, but I think emotionally, really at the core of Waterbear, we are building a community. That's what we're doing. We're, we're not building a streaming platform or a social network. We're really building a community of what we call earth stewards or atomic activists, people who have been newly or inspired again about how wonderful it is to contribute to something bigger than yourself. And I think success for us in five years, we'll be looking around the Waterbed Network and the community of NGOs, brands, storytellers, filmmakers, impact investors, and of course, Mother Earth as our greatest stakeholder and thinking, wow, we have a vibrant, bustling community that is making a massively tangible and measurable impact on our planet. So that for us from a business context is, is what success looks like. 
I think obviously at a planetary level, we don't have long. We have, you know, according to the IPCC, not very long at all. You know, a matter of single digit years, depending on how you slice it. So yeah, not looking too far to the future. I would pray that success looks like we've we've figured out some ways to fast track climate solutions, overturn the policy that we need to overturn, and that we are still on a livable planet. I guess that would be success. Sam, what's coming up then that you're most excited about? Anything else that you can share with us that isn't top secret that's coming up that we'd uh, like to hear about? Ooh, many, many things. We have a very exciting future at the company over the next 18 months. Uh, we've got an incredible board and new community of investors. So we're, we're scaling the company now and looking at some exciting new film projects and new look editorial. We're making some exciting technology changes and launching new platforms and making a really sticky exciting uh, product experience for our growing membership base. One of the things I'm actually most excited about is the brand partnerships that we are uh, building now, because actually brands are not only central to our business model, but they're also central to our community, but also central to our impact strategy as well. Because for a long time, brands have obviously been, in some cases, not all cases, have been part of the problem. They've been building, they've been extracting, they've been producing, they've been creating waste. And I think what we now need to do is, is show that brands can contribute to a more regenerative society and be a part of the solution. So we're really excited about some of our founding partners like Nikon. Um, and we've got some really exciting pilots going on with Nikon where we're deploying cameras onto the front line. So watch this space. Working very closely with Jack Wolfskin, the outdoor apparel brand, great uh, partners. We were just over there in Germany with them. We've got some super exciting plans with them to tell some great stories and get out there into the world of Jack Wolfskin. And yeah, very excitingly, we are just beginning a kind of fledgling relationship with a small brand called Rolex, who you might have heard of. Rolex are really excited to be a new member of the the Waterbed ecosystem. We've got some very, very exciting irons in the fire. So it's a busy six months coming up. um, And we're really excited about how we can bring that network of purpose-driven brands that want to prove that they are part of the solution that are creating measurable impact right at the center of our Waterbed community. Two things before we go. I mean, it's been absolutely brilliant having uh, you, Sam, and Water Bear on the show. First thing is we have um, the first mile Planet Saver Hall of Fame, which regular listeners will know all about. And this is where we ask guests to put a thing, thought, person in the Planet Saver Hall of Fame. David Attenborough's already in there, so you can't have him again. And this is this is for us to have a collection of of items for the future and we'll 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 get it all out and have a look at it in the future and we, we might fire it up to the moon or something like that so what would you put in the first mile planet saver hall of fame my answer may not fit in a tube that you'd fire to the moon um because i'm gonna i'm gonna suggest or ask whether our entire water bear team could go in the first mile planet saver hall of fame i don't know if i got that right but <laughs> um you did indeed i say that for several reasons i think the because we're plugged in as a team and society into some quite horrific news on an almost daily basis there was a survey done of 10,000 young people last year across 10 countries and i think it was 45% of them felt that their overwhelming feelings about climate change the climate crisis the climate catastrophe negatively impacted and affected their daily lives. And I think if you're plugged into the environmental space as our team is, and having to handle that stream of bad news, scary news, anxiety-inducing news, to keep trucking on 
and doing what we do on a daily basis, which is creating impact, creating magic, working hard with a smile, that deserves a place in many, many halls of fame, I think. And we're now not only looking down the barrel of potentially tough economic times, but also planetary. It's it's very scary. So yes, if, if it's all right with you, Bruce, I'm going to stick our team in the Hall of Fame, if that's okay. Absolutely fine. It'll be nice and warm because I think someone's put the sun in there previously. So um, you'll, you'll, you, you'll be uh, very cosy. Brilliant, Sam. Last but not least, how do people find Water Bear? And can you uh, shout out how they're going to be uh, viewing all your wonderful content and becoming atomic activists i can it's as simple as this waterbear.com wherever you are in the world uh, if you're on socials it's usually at waterbear network um we're across all the usual main platforms instagram facebook tiktok um we've got some exciting new partnerships coming up you can also download waterbear as an app uh on the ios and android app stores and Samsung users, I have some exciting news. If you have a Samsung TV, you can actually watch the Water Bear channel now on Samsung TV for free, which is really exciting. Uh, also, Apple TV users, Roku users, um, and a bunch of other platforms in the pipeline. So we're trying to be as far and wide as we can. Um, and if you can't find us, that's your fault. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Waterbear.com. Waterbear.com. Um, Sam, it, it, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show um really great episode thank you very much thank you very much bruce i'm bruce bradley and you've been listening to zero five oh where we meet incredible people creating solutions for a zero carbon world keep listening to all episodes on spotify apple or wherever you get your podcasts zero five